Hi everyone, welcome to episode 13 of Cloud Conversations with Ruin Pete. I'm the Ru of the Ruin Pete, uh, and I'm joined with uh, fellow bearded guy Pete. Pete, how are you? Hello, the Ru. Uh, I am the <laughs> I am the Pete. Yes, indeed, fellow beardy guy, a very fellow hot beardy guy today in the in the sweaty sense, not in the appealing sense. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, things are good. Things are good, other than just melting. Um, how are you? You good? Yeah, yeah, all good here. Not uh, not melting up here. It's uh, nice and overcast. You know, kind of natural IT guy habitat. Don't like the outside. Stay inside. Nice and cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but anyway, this is um, where are we up to. We are up to uh, show number thirteen of um, Cloud Conversations with Ruin Pete. Can't believe we're up to to thirteen already. Uh, hopefully, it won't be an unlucky one for us. I'm sure it won't. Uh, I don't see how it could be with our guest today being the absolutely amazing Mr. Paul Dredge. Uh, welcome, Paul. How are you today, my friend? Very well, thank you. Good, great to be here, guys. I mean, um, it's a privilege a bit to be on your show. Um, we'll say that and um, do tune in a lot to, to watch yours. So it's great to be on number 13. Hopefully not unlucky. Hope there's no <laughs> mix-ups on my part to ruin your show. But, um, but yeah, great to be here today. Oh, f- f- fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. So let's get cracking then. Let's have, let's have a chat. And uh, if you would, would you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? Tell us a bit about yourself and who you are, where you're from, what you do, and how you've got to where you are. Yeah, brilliant. We'll do. Um, yeah, so it's so a Paul Dredge. Um, I currently work for a company here in the UK called Habel. Um, we are an adoption change management partner of Microsoft, a gold partner, you know, the, the whole shebangs you get with, with being a partner. Um, so, so the company I work for, we really focus on um, how people think about technology and want to change their opinions of it. Um, been with them for two years. And prior to that, I came from an education background. Mm-hmm. So I started off as traditional IT technician and worked my way up um, to sort of teacher role, IT administrator of a, an academy trust. Met the owner of Havel Mark, got chatting to him, um, and then joined them. So, so my journey's been a bit of a, a bit of a mixed one along the way um, of different kinds of tech to people to teaching to all sorts of weird things along that way. Um, from the Midlands, although the shirts in the background, you probably wouldn't guess that, but from the Midlands area in Northamptonshire. Um, and, and that's me. I mean, uh, very recently awarded MVP for, for mm-hmm. Microsoft, so great thing to, to be a part of the community uh, officially. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so I'm now official member of the MVP community. Yeah, a newly minted MVP, absolutely deserved. Um, I, I couldn't be happier for you. And t- tell us a little bit about your journey with the program. What what does it mean to you, and who's most inspired you along along the way in this journey? Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, it, it means an awful lot. So mm-hmm. coming from the the IT technician background like many times there's all type it technicians you know you're strolling through forums trying to find how to do things and there's always these gurus that we're seeing in my eyes of these mvps who are like way up in the podiums of knowing that the jedi masters are like of, of <laughs> it um, that, that knew, knew a lot more than um, as normal <laughs> it technicians sort of at the bottom of the pile scrapping around on our, our google searches um to, so to be Recognised as someone now who is an MVP means a massive amount to me. Um, never ever dreamed about being part of the MVP community or be, being an MVP. Um, I said came from education background, so I was involved a lot with the Microsoft world of um, the, the, what they call the Microsoft Initiative Educator Community. A um, bit of a mouthful, um, but but in this community that that you get awarded 
similar to like the MVP community, but it, it was more of a teaching and learning side, but how to use tech and so on. So I've been a part of that community for about five, five, six years. Um, and then when I joined Table, I sort of took a step away from working in education, still work mm. with some customers, but it was a bit like still part of that community, but didn't really feel like I fitted in with the community because I wasn't teaching or involved in the school scene as much. And then the, the MVP sort of thing got mentioned. And I was like, nah, I'll never get to that standard of things. And just as mm. I started working with Hable and, and being exposed to more, um, I remember having a, a, a chat with Chris Huntingford um, on a, a call at one point, um, part of the call when he was talking about the communities and stuff. He's like, well, you should check out the MVP stuff. So it's a, went away, researched a, a little bit about how the process is involved. Um, my boss, uh, um, well, line manager, Sean O'Shea from, from Hables, very heavily involved in Microsoft. So he knows quite a lot of people in the Microsoft world of things. So I got speaking to a few different people in Microsoft about it. Um, mm -hmm. And then trying to find that, that, that space. I remember having a, a conversation with Claire. I, had, um, I did get nominated early on last year, mm -hmm. um, but I didn't really understand what was involved in the nomination, mm -hmm. very new to it. Um, so I didn't get accepted in my first nomination. Mm -hmm. um, putting in the contributions and so on. But then I got speaking to Chris Horde, who introduced me to yourself, Peter, as well. And after mm. speaking to you guys, you guys were the real ones that actually helped me along the way and show talk, talk to me about what I should be doing, how to do it, made me feel part of the community with Teams Nation and, and so on. And mm. then that's sort of evolved from there. And here I am now successfully after a second um, nomination um, as an MVP. Nice one. Awesome stuff. And I guess, you know, when we talk about the kind of things that MVPs do, speaking at conferences, blogging, tweeting, all that kind of stuff, where do you kind of lean in in regards to all that? Because I know that some folks, exclusively speaking, less the blogging, where do you kind yeah. of find yourself contributing there? Yeah, so um, probably more in the speaking sense. I try to blog. Um, but I always find when I'm trying to blog, it's, it's a lot of work to blog. <laughs> I'm not the best writer in the world. So when I am right. blogging, I'm either writing short blogs, which are just like updates from the, the Microsoft Center or just stuff I've picked up on recently. I don't tend to write long blogs. Um, so I find the speaking part becomes a lot more natural to me. Although if you'd asked me, two, three years ago about speaking in front of people. I'm like, no, not me. I'm not that type of guy, no chance. So put me in front of people who are just panic and go all croaky voiced. Um, whereas now I love just being in front of people talking, um, especially at events and things, just sharing that knowledge that I have and learning from others as well. Um, it's just brilliant. I also have YouTube, find talking on video, sim similar to events, mm -hmm. talking on video, a lot easier than than writing things. Nice, cool. Why, why do you think that is? Because obviously, you know, I kind of know what you mean insofar as when I'm writing a blog, I'd sit down and I plan to maybe spend an hour on it and then five hours later I'm still <laughs> fixing typos and all sorts of rubbish in yeah. it. Do you find yeah. speaking just more natural? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've done a few events where you record the sessions as well, pre-record, and I always mm -hmm. find as well with them, you're, you're always wanting that perfect thing, aren't you? And you edit and, and so on. Whereas yeah. when you're doing it live, it's like it just flows. If you make a mistake, you just carry on. Um so I think it's that element where when you're speaking at events, it's just you can just talk, you can just go go with the flow of it. Um, whereas with like blogs, I'm I think I'm very critical of myself. I write something, I'm like that's absolute nonsense. 
people are going to read that mm. and think like a school kid's written it because writing <laughs> is not my strong point. <laughs> and so I just think if people, there's so many more people out there that could probably write a hell of a lot better than me and, and get you engaged to it, whereas my writing side of things isn't the best. Yeah. Um, so I, when I do try and blog, um, I like to still do it, but you'll never find me writing a big, <laughs> big article probably um, yeah. just because it would take me forever and I have to get about 10 people to proof check it for me <laughs> because I'm never confident before pressing that publish button. Well, that, that's the daunting thing about when you, when you publish a blog, it's like, oh my God, that's going to be out there forever. And if I made yeah. a mistake in it, then you know, what can MVP am I? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? If I'm out information that isn't so accurate. Yeah. yeah. Whereas at least when it's live, <clears throat> internally in YouTube, and I know in this podcast, we kind of, you know, if it's rough and if the production isn't smooth and if there's umming and emming and amming and all sorts yeah. of stuff that doesn't sound so polished, folk don't really care as much as you yeah. think these days. At least that's our experience. Hopefully. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, uh, and hopefully that's the case as well, because with me, as many people will know, I'm oh, I'm twitchy. I'm, I've got Tourette <laughs> syndrome for those who don't know. Uh, so I sniff a lot and cough a lot and uh, clear my throat a lot. So and um and uh, so... Uh, but everyone's always very kind about it, which is which is great. <laughs> uh, but um, but inter interesting a point I want to pick up on, uh, Paul, that you mentioned then. want to know how it is for both you guys here, really. No matter the, the pressure that you put yourselves under to do the perfect blog, do the perfect talk, that sort of thing, do you usually find that the response to what you've done far outweighs the expectation that you had for it? Because people are so kind to me, and I think, well, Wow, what have I done here? I've not invented penicillin. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> but they're always so really nice and, and grateful yeah. for the content you put out and, and really definitely, happy. definitely. I, I find in talks like um, I, I don't really rehearse talks. I know lots of people out there do spend quite a lot of time rehearsing what you say. I'll, I'll run through if I've got slides, run through slides, make sure if I'm doing a live demo, I know what I'm doing and so on. But I'm not one that sits there and reads through things and, and keeps practicing as such. I just sort of go with it and if it works it works <laughs> if it's a complete car crash then i'm sure i'll know about it but like you say there peter i've touched wood i've never had anyone say oh that was that was awful or, or it wasn't as good as i think it's gonna be it's always that wow this is brilliant thank you so much for sharing learned so much amazing stuff amazing content um and same with blogs i've you do blog things and I speak to people and like, oh, that blog was really useful that I read. Didn't know that update or how to do that thing with, with teams or whatever it is I'm blogging about. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you do though, don't you? You do put yourself under that pressure all the yeah. time around, around this sort of stuff, especially now I'm sure I'd be even worse in, in the MVP line. Like, I'm like, well, I'm MVP. I'm representing the, the, the top of the class now. I'm going to have to be <laughs> at my own game and to, to be up here with everyone. Yeah. The mind monkeys get worse. Trust me. <laughs> they really do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Definitely hear that. And so far, you know, like when it comes to the speaking, it's kind of like if you're confident in what you're talking about anyway, you can, I don't want to say you can wing it, but you put together your slides and, you're just building it up in your head and you're thinking what you're going to say anyway. I don't like the idea of sitting for an hour or two and just rehearsing this perfect speech. You know, you're not an actor. You know, you're a presenter and it's a bit different. And it'll probably come across as obvious if you're just rehearsing lines, you know what I mean? And you'll stumble and all that kind of stuff. At least I would. I know when I did my, <laughs> when I did my Teams Nation one uh, just the other month, it was kind of like, well, number one, I lost my voice about oh. three minutes before I started oh, presenting. Nice. You and did I really thought, well. You did really well. I thought I was going to die. I was like, what the <laughs> going on? Uh, but then, you know, I just kind of suffered for a few minutes and then it went away. But I know that if I'd have sat there and rehearsed and just kind of read from a script, it would have been a disaster because you start fumbling and then you're like, oh, I've got to find what I was going to say and yada, yada, yada. 
Yeah. I remember my first ever, um, I think it was a webinar I did um, for Microsoft. It must be four or five years ago now. And I wrote, not a script word for word, but I remember having on a piece of paper next to my surface, like a, a things that I was talking about and some sentences. And I'd hate if that's, if that, I don't even know if it does, if it exists on the inside, I'd hate to see that because I probably was like a robot, like now we click here. This is the button that does this. <laughs> I'd, hate, I'd hate to rewatch that. Frankly, I never have. But looking back from then, confidence of doing it, like I say, getting your skill set up and your knowledge around that subject and feeling comfortable about what you're talking about. I think it's the main thing that helps you with it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I've, I'm taking a bit of a break from speaking right just now because I've just had so much lately. It's just been one after the other. So I'm having a little bit of a rest. I'm not going to do anything potentially till about September when the next things are, are coming up um, potentially. But um, And um, I'm trying to remember the point I was going to make, but uh, but it's completely gone, which is very irritating. <laughs> but, uh, what I'll jump, I'll, I'll you jump, jump in. in I'll try and, is, try and is, think what I was going to say. Do you think it's a case of burnout then from the speaking? Like, is it just too much in such a small space of time? Because yeah, I think, know. and I've just remembered what I was going to say, and and I think the reason um, is, is basically because I would I would I'm so disorganized. I need to get better organized because it would come to the point where uh, my wife would ask me, "What have you got on today?" And I was, I don't know. And I look at yeah. my calendar. Oh God, I'm speaking today, and I've not <laughs> I've not got any slides. So um, do, do, you, do you ever find that yourself that you're just completely unprepared for talking? You just knock a few slides together and bish bash bosh, and you just wing it because I, I do that a lot, even to the point now where I can't even be bothered to put too many slides together. And I and I think some events that, that do want you to lean more into demos anyway and have more practical stuff going on so which which works well for me i'll just put a few token slides together this is me this is my twitter how you can reach me this is what we're going to talk about right in the demo this is the good stuff yeah i'm i'm with you on the disorganized side of things (laughs) organization skills are terrible um and uh that like um with with the slides i always leave everything to last minute i'm Mm. one of these guys you think ah i've got ages ages mm-hmm. till that event or ages <laughs> to that presentation and you're like oh bugger it's tomorrow yeah <laughs> I've, I hear you. I've got a title slide and now i need to try and rough some uh, um, something together um but I, i'm like very much like you peter i just have a few slides most talks just to highlight some key points and then go into demos for most of it or or, or such because i think talking um through like virtual events is a lot different to in person. In person, you probably have lots of slides because people can focus on you and so on. Whereas a uh, virtual event, you probably don't want people mm. looking at slides the whole time. And get, I'm always worried that death by PowerPoint, you know, everyone always yeah. says it. And like people being bored, just oh, not another slide. Oh, here's a load of things on here. And I remember, um, at, not Teams Nation gone, but the previous Teams Nation, I um, moderated there and Ducks did a, an amazing talk about presenting. Um, and just from that, from watching that, I was like, right, I'm scrapping everything I've done before. This has really helped me around pre- how to organize your presentation, what to have on slides, how to introduce things. And it, that really, really helped me massively um, when I started talking more at events. And that's Doug Raymond Tsai, isn't it? Yes. Um, yeah. Who's a fellow Microsoft MV. I don't even mention his name the same breath as me because he's just <laughs> absolute legend um and he's he's a branding legend and he works for half, half point or half point yeah. doesn't he and yeah. uh what what a guy we must try and get him to, to join us on the show at some point for sure but um Not but yeah for this one 
because nope. they know no one want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's um, there's there's room for everyone. That's what we always say about the show. We want we want we want everyone on this show. We want new community members. We want established community members. We want the legends. We want to get them all um, yep. and uh, and get that balance across the the spectrum. And and a final thing on the community then and the MVP journey. Is it worth it? Would you say, um, what would your advice be to anyone considering getting involved in that Microsoft community and perhaps even trying to become an MVP? Yeah, uh, it's definitely worth it. And um, I think that the bit that's worth it isn't necessarily the award. It's mm. actually the community. And it's going to mm. sound cheesy as hell <laughs> saying that, but it's actually the people in the community. So, so like, um, I remember looking at thinking about, there's the goal, there's the MVP award that we we'll, want to try and achieve and work my way towards it. But actually meeting people along the way and talking to people becoming in, in like the community groups with people. It's just, everyone's just so nice. I, I had the, not like an expectation of people being like wanting to be the best and oh, I'm a great MVP because I do this or something like that. Mm. And it's not like that at all. Not at all, but everyone's just normal people, helpful people. And that, that's, I think that's the thing that surprised me most is actually people want to help you get to where mm. you want to be um, so in the MVP Everyone's so nice and inviting you into events, helping you out with talking if you want advice and talking, how to up yourself in the community and what to do and blogging and, and such. That Everyone's just really, really helpful. And I think that's what's made it worthwhile. It is hard work doing it. Mm. Um, I mean, the, doing the contributions, recording things, um, having that extra effort of thinking, oh, I haven't done anything this week. I really should perhaps do a blog, do a video, do something. Um mm. But I think that the, the the goal shouldn't be actually the award. The goal should be embedding yourself in that community with the people around it. And I think that's what is the most worthwhile part for me. Mm. Nice one. Yeah. And I mean, you know, at the end of the day, a badge is a badge, you know what I mean? And it's not worth it if you're suffering as you're doing it, you know, if you're not made for doing the kind of community contributions and stuff like that. You don't want to go through hell just to get a label, you know. Uh, and I mean, when when I think of one of the things that comes up a lot in this show, you don't just come out of high school and go straight to being an MVP. You don't just come out of high school and go straight to be, being that kind of technical consultant. You're obviously focusing at, focusing at the minute on adoption of Teams and the Microsoft 365 suite. How did you get into IT in the first place? Where did you start on this crazy path? Yeah, um, so... When I was at school, wasn't the best of pupils at school, um, like academically wise, um, seen as never going to have qualifications to the point mm -hmm. where some teachers even said, we're not going to put you in for GCSEs because you, you're not going to get anything. Um, did all right in my GCSEs and came out with some, some nice grades. I actually stayed on to do sixth form at school. Never should have done that. <laughs> but yeah. it's made me where I am now today. I just messed up two years of my life messing about in sixth form. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I enjoyed cars, liked tinkering with cars, um, always had a, a keen um, passion around computers and IT. Um, but when I left, I actually got a job at a garage and I lasted two weeks. <laughs> out because Manual labor isn't for me. <laughs> so I was there for two weeks and walked out. And I, I was like, a, uh, I think I was 19 at the time, didn't have a job. It's like, well, what the hell do I want to do in my, in my life? I, didn't have a clue. Um, my family's all education-based, so both my parents were teachers, both my sisters are teachers. Right. Um, so I was like, I don't really want to do go down that avenue because I've seen how the teaching life takes over everything of your life. Mm. That is you. Um, and um, I remember 
the local authority was looking for a technician in IT. And I was like, oh, I, like, I like computers. I'll apply for it. So I applied for it. And um, it was supposed to be a, like a, not an apprentice, because it wasn't really apprenticeships around then. It was like a trainee technical um, IT person. Um, and I got the job, but I didn't get any training. So like, I remember after my second <clears throat> week of like shadowing a couple of people, no training, just you know, get, getting used to visiting different schools it was at the time going to different schools and um it's like right here's your five schools you're going to look after away you go I was like well I don't really know what I'm doing I like at the time I didn't really understand what an IP address was (laughs) I mean luckily servers didn't exist in those days in primary schools they tend to have like two RM Nimbus machines or (laughs) old XP and 3.1 machines Mm. um but yeah sort of built my way up from there and it wasn't until our kids really that actually for I need to make a career out of what I'm doing rather than just turn up for work every day, getting the paycheck and going home and whatever. So when my wife came pregnant, um, was it 11 years ago? I was like, right, need to sort. I need. I'm having a family. I need to actually look at what I want to do in my life, what career wise. So that's when I started to work my way up that IT career path from your normal technician to becoming a, a what was it, a server installations manager. So I was in charge of doing server installations and it was a great time for it because everyone had what was our um, um cc3 networks anyone in education would, would, would know those and we were putting them into windows <clears throat> vanilla so we had about 200 schools to do in two years um and then went on to being a manager there and once i i, I got fell into the microsoft world of things because one of the schools i worked <clears throat> with was um a microsoft showcase school so they were big in the Microsoft world of things. I think there's only six at the time in the country. So that the head teachers are like, Paul, we really need help with OneNote um, and um, what was the other classroom at the time? Microsoft Classroom, it sort of fizzled out. But there was those two applications mm-hmm. that really need help with, a little bit of SharePoint, and we started building it from there. And then I got speaking to different people in the education team at Microsoft and started to path myself, like I said, in that community, um, which is where I met people in Habel, and then they're like, right, you're not wasted in, in education. You're doing well in education, but you can do so much more rather than just focusing on the education world of things. And I thought, right. ah, that's scary. Yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable here in my little school environment um, working with, with schools. Um, and I remember I was at Habel for, I think it was less than a month. And I'd only ever worked in education all, all my life um, in like a real job. Um, but we uh I had to go and speak at um, a local council in front of like a hundred people in the council about to <laughs> go down the three, six, five adoption journey. And it was like, why should they use three, six, five? Hadn't really done much public speaking in, in that sense. And uh, <laughs> out of my comfort zone, cause it wasn't education <laughs> and um, did, did, did the talk. And it was like, since then it was like, yeah, it's, it's the it's same thing. People just want to use technology to make their lives easier with what it is they do day in, day out. And it, it was, it was just that, that's where the, the the journey has gone for, from someone who didn't know what they wanted to do to, to where I am today. And, you know, it's funny that how you kind of mentioned that for you, it was uh, kind of pregnancy that was the kind of the boot up the, <laughs> the unmentionable to kind of start getting serious <laughs> about things. Is that, you know, that's kind of something we've discovered in a lot of these chats is that folk just kind of seem to be plodding along and then all of a sudden something serious mm. happens and that's when they have to start getting serious was was it then a decision that yeah i'm going to focus on the microsoft stuff then or was that kind of just by chance because that's what you were already working with 
Yeah, it was, it was just by chance, really. I mean, I was um, actually a Google trainer before I was involved <laughs> in Microsoft, so I'd actually right. was um, quite heavily involved in Google. It's just because the company I worked for, we'd partnered up with a, a Google partner, um, and we're doing lots with Chromebooks and, and Google for Education and stuff like that. Um, and then, like I said, this school that was a Microsoft school got me heavily involved there. And um, that's when I was like, well, actually, the... I mean, I was always Windows man, always never a Mac or, or anything like that. But it was a bit like actually, the one the one note was fantastic for education, the class notebook and stuff like that. It was real mm-hmm. life changing for teachers. Um, <clears throat> that's where my focus went. And then, just as time went on, um, Teams came along, and it's just like, well, this this is definitely life changing for how people are working. And mm-hmm. it's just been along that journey. So I mean, yeah, I've been say I was probably about seven seven eight years probably like heavily embedded in the microsoft world of things cool you you mentioned google there now google are massive in education obviously uh obligatory boo for google by the way (laughs) (laughs) Uh, with you on that one (laughs) thank thank you uh i mean what's your kind of experience as far as when should someone choose the microsoft stuff over the google stuff other than just saying all the time because that's (laughs) what we need to say you know do they have instances where yeah the google stuff is the better option i mean i know that when i think of chromebooks i think of there's obviously a a price incentive there compared to your your typical windows thing but Mm. in terms of the productivity suite (laughs) you know what what's your opinion on that yeah i mean i I think it is the the pricing that drives google especially in education schools have no money um Mm. And that's the big thing we saw. They couldn't afford four or five hundred pounds on a laptop when they could go and buy a Chromebook for two hundred. Yeah. I know a few years ago, Microsoft did the big push on um, affordable devices with um, the Win was it was Windows Ten, wasn't it? Um, the light version, but it was just a bit like, yeah, it really wasn't. It was, it was just a, a bad Windows machine, really, more than mm. anything else. It could it's, it worked and did stuff, but the management side of Google was a lot better still um, in that sense. And that's, that's what sort of drove it in the education world. In the business world, I can't see why anyone would go Google. And I, I, I've not come across anyone using it in the business world of things. But um, the, the Microsoft product suite, especially in 365, is just so much better. And it's mm. what people like. My argument always was in education is like, yeah, you can set people up with Google. It's cheaper and affordable and stuff. But when these students go into the real life working world, it's very unlikely they're going to be using Google Docs mm. or Google mm-hmm. Sheets. Very they're going to be point. using Excel. They're going to be using Word. So, yeah, the, the, it's similar. But the confusion is going to come in with the functionality. They're all used to working on a web-based oh, version. Wow. And then, like, wait, I mean, it would be great if everyone was using the web-based version of 365 now. It would save <laughs> us a lot, <laughs> a lot of aggro. But everyone still yeah. is in, in the installed version of Excel, installed version of Word, and so on. Hmm. It's in, yeah, I think that'll come as well, though, with 365 in time. I think the progressive web apps, um, our good friend Kevin McDonald and, and now also um, fellow MVP, congratulations to him. Well, very well deserved indeed. But he, he and I were chatting the other day on Twitter and with someone else about the fact that he runs exclusively the Outlook in progressive web app. He doesn't have the, the full fat Outlook client on there. And I've not tried that yet, but I'm going to give it a go now and, and, and see if I can run with that. But he, he says he's never looked back. And that's the way it's going to go, isn't it, for sure? Yeah. yeah I, I mean, the, the web ones are brilliant. They're a lot better than what they were going back a couple of years ago, Yeah. Um, especially with the integration of Teams. I mean, I rarely go into 
desktop versions of the mm. apps. I, I tend to spend most of my time in Teams, um, mm. but I do simple things. I'm not doing big complicated <laughs> spreadsheets, and I think that's where there's still mm. that need, isn't there? The desktop one, if you've got that big spreadsheet macros and all these mm. fancy formulas that. I don't understand, but <laughs> people tend to <laughs> no, set up. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've got that so intensive things, yeah. Mm, yeah. I do take your point on Google Classroom, though. I mean, my oldest son, George, his, his school uses Google Classroom, and in the recent lockdown, we got that all set up for him. I mean, his fellow pupils, if they didn't have a computer, they were issued with Chromebooks, which seems to work well. We got him an iPad, which he with a little keyboard on it and that worked brilliantly for him and it, it worked really well i was i thought this is pretty good but as you say in the business world very well, I, I think on one occasion in my career over the past five years i've come across one customer that i dealt with who wanted to go the other way 365 to google and like i had to sort of like bite my lip and, and not say are you mad um <laughs> but um but but we We've had plenty, uh, in my experience, wanting to go the other way from Google at 365, yeah. but pff, not so much the other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very similar to that. I've, I've, I rarely, I don't think I've even come since working at Habel. Google hasn't even been mentioned anywhere <laughs> at all, unless someone's using Google Drive, like it's a shadow IT that's a big no-no, to try and get around something that someone's set up in security and compliance side of things. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But no, I don't think I've come across, like, like you, Peter, we do a lot of, transition from google to something but mm. um never the other way around i can yeah. understand why you'd want to go the other way oh, around. that's mad isn't it speaking of teams and integration of things like google drive i mean you can add in the file section in teams other um file storage things like uh, like google drive like uh ignite which i i don't have a clue what that is but that no. was the most recently added one <laughs> yeah, and dropbox and what's the other one is it box box um, yeah and do, do, do you do you see much call from your customers to, to add in those file storage into teams nah. Now, nah, when we do governance workshops, it's like, here's what files you can have within um, Teams. We suggest you flick all these off <laughs> yeah. just because you don't know what data is going to be in there. And you want to encourage people to keep it in your infrastructure of what you've got control over, what your governance is about. And if they're bringing in these third party drives or drop boxes or boxes, um, mm. who knows what, what data, who has access. And that's always a big concern for me. Mm. Um, around that i mean i can see why microsoft had done it to try and include other areas that people might use um but i always think it's a bit risky isn't it if you've got that sensitive information and you suddenly got a dropbox up there and someone puts it in the wrong folder who's got mm. access to that dropbox also just the you know sorry to be the the typical scottish guy but even just the price of <laughs> you know uh licensing all these different things yeah, yeah. blows my mind i mean you get even on the i think you get it at the minimum with E3, but you get uh, OneDrive for Business Plan 2, I think, which gives you something like 5 terabytes to start with and then up to 25 terabytes per user. So it's like, you imagine how much you'd have to pay for these other services when you're already paying for it as part of Office 365. That's what blows my mind when I see other folks using the drop boxes and the box and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I remember um, a customer that they were big users of box. Um, this is why they're, they're experimenting to use Teams and OneDrive and stuff. And they had Exchange in 365, but that's all they were using. We're having discussions with them. It's like, well, why are you storing this stuff in Box? Like, oh, it's great. You can share stuff. You can collaborate. You can do this. Like, that's what 365 is. And they're like, yeah. I never realized we were just using it as an email system. <laughs> mm. like, yep. So I bet there's many more people out there that are similar. Like, maybe I got 365 and just use Exchange and then are using these boxes and, and such. 
Mm. It's still so common, isn't it? A lot of people don't know what they've got with 365. They, they think yeah. it is just basically office and email. It's yeah. amazing that there's still that perception among some people, without a doubt. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I've found is that the way these things can kind of start to seep into organizations is that the folks involved in the buying process aren't necessarily always involved in either the IT or the actual adoption insofar as, just as an example, I know that with some mobile telephony companies, you know, your O2s, your Vodafones and things like that, they will also resell that stuff in the same way they'll sell Office 365. So for mm. a lot of sales folks, there's the incentive to sell the license to Dropbox and Box. Yeah. The folks that are responsible for the buying, they buy it. And then IT are like, well, we bought it, so we should probably use it. Mm. You know, yeah. oh, you've just made me think of vendors who sell 365 and the absolute worst example of that. Uh, I hope they're not listening and sue me or anything, but the, <laughs> have you ever come across a GoDaddy Office 365 oh, yeah. tenant? Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, they are awful. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> awful. So no administrative control over them, so difficult to get customers out of them. Uh, it's just a horrendous experience. Yuck. Yeah. They create loads of random objects and GoDaddy tenants that you wouldn't find in mm. other ones and things like that. Yeah, it gets messy. Uh, mm. It's funny because GoDaddy is one of those ones. They're crazy big, massive organization, and yet universally derided. Nobody has anything good about to say with them. So you're kind of like, <laughs> how do these guys get so big? But mm. they must be doing something right, I guess. I don't know what Cheap. it is. Yeah, yeah. It's all these people in Scotland buying it. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. It'd be called Go Jimmy. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, one of the things you mentioned was uh, how you'll you'll take customers out of the the Google Enterprise environment and you'll you'll bring them into Microsoft 365 and Teams. You know, in your work at Hable, what is a kind of typical day uh, if there is one? You know, what does a kind of adoption consultant do? Yeah, so um, like, like what what Hable is known for it is exactly like that adoption consultancy piece. Um, we do a lot of getting people into teams, making sure the organisation uses it in the right way, um, training guides, and so on. The area of the business that um, I sort of head up is our technical side, um, which is is quite new in the business. So we've always had a couple of technical people, including myself. Um, within Hable but I mean when I joined I didn't join as a technical person at all I joined as a trainer and that was what I was doing delivering teams training SharePoint OneDrive whatever it would be Um, and it's similar with the other technical people they weren't we didn't have official technical consultants within the organization and we did stuff we did like migrations and touched on SharePoint and and such but um, during the the, obviously the pandemic obviously everyone started using teams and we've seen a lot of people on microsoft teams and we noticed a big gap of organizations technical capability and being able to help them so that's when we set up this um like technical area of the business um which has developed now into what we call um building smarter workplaces so we're sort of going for a rebranding internally in the organization um but we, we typical sort of day for me is a lot of sales calls or planning calls with customers and such that I don't do as much as delivery as I used to now because I do a lot of planning working with the customer to discover what they want running governance workshops running SharePoint workshops and so on like that Um, and then we've got people in in, in the, the technical team who build power apps and build very good power apps we've got Teams is the platform stuff. So using some of those Microsoft app templates, 
um, bots. We've, we've deployed bots. I mean, um, the biggest bot we did was in NHS Wales, and we deployed like a Teams bot. Um, so if anyone had any problems with Teams or, or wanted to know how to arrange a meeting, send a message, whatever it is, they could ask the bot and it would come back with the questions and stuff. Um, what we are seeing, I don't know if, if you guys or people watching, is everyone's wanting SharePoint at the minute. Mm, we've sort of gone around this big loop of it used to be SharePoint, everyone wanted Teams, and now we're coming back around. Everyone's now wanting SharePoint. And I think last week, I, count, I think out of the five customer calls I was on, four of them were SharePoint builds and intranets and, and migrations and so mm. on like that. Um, right. And we're seeing a massive thing. And, and that's something I am doing a lot of is mm. working with organizations to shape the structure and the, the, the look and feel of SharePoint and then actually implementing that and designing mm. it. Um, and there's some stuff that's coming out of SharePoint is fantastic at the minute. I just think it's getting better and better. And um, mm. I mean, the, the, the Viva aspect, um, marks off with, with like the, I guess, the sneaky rebrand of SharePoint intranets of mm-hmm. everyone needs Viva connections um, yep. without calling it SharePoint. Very clever mm-hmm. by Microsoft on that point. Um, but I, I just think there's such a demand for that, especially like the hybrid working that people are going to be facing. Mm. Um, and, and that's where a lot of our focus, I think, is going to be in the next six to 12 mm. months. Yeah, SharePoint's had a definite resurgence, I find. I work a lot with SharePoint <clears throat> myself, and I found exactly the same. A lot of um, people will come and, uh, and ask me, well, we're, we're on these older file servers with yeah. uh, just information all over the place. What can we do to get that into Microsoft 365? And what's always nine times out of 10, that will, that will usually go into SharePoint more than it will into Teams because it's yeah. uh, the, more, the more static content, the more departmental content for organizations like your traditional sales, marketing, purchasing, those pillars of um, functions that are always going to be there tend to sit better in SharePoint. Um, and the more dynamic projects and teams teams there's that word again will fit better into teams but then of course it's win-win because you've got that great integration between teams and sharepoint and the files that you have in teams have that i hate this term but don't ever know quite what else to call it that back end sharepoint site Mm -hmm. uh where, where they where they reside um but so much um overlap on on those things and and then there's things like sharepoint syntax coming in now which i absolutely love to bits the only thing that i don't particularly like about syntax is that you have to buy a separate license for it it doesn't sit particularly well with me i i think it probably should be added in as part of the one of the e3s or the e5s um it just feels messy but Syntax is so good. The ability to do a bit of artificial intelligence and machine teaching and uh, applying compliance with retention labels, sensitivity labels, so much good stuff. And SharePoint's back with a in a, in a big way. It's far from dead. <laughs> yeah. Far from dead. I, I think it's because everyone wanted that communication platform, didn't they? When went mm. into the, the first lockdown, a lot of organizations panicked and mm. sort of jumped on board of teams and other, other platforms and started over the 12 months really built their way of communicating and collaborating in that sense but mm. they still had file shares they still had <laughs> traditional ways of working in the background that all these meetings and stuff was happening in teams but still people were working in local storage i guess is what we call it on servers and stuff mm. whereas now it's like we've seen how great 365 is for that element we know it can do other stuff let's start bringing that in and, and that's what we're seeing is probably 
a lot of the organization we work with, you, you speak to them about teams. We, we do um, like a lot of workshops called How You Work Workshops, where we go really in depth into looking mm -hmm. at how people are working, what they're doing, um, and then try and map out solutions around 365. And from a lot of these different organizations across all different sectors, because I work across different sectors, they were the same thing that a lot of them are still using Teams for chat, meetings, and that's it mm. <laughs> they're not really working in teams teams has become their new version of skype mm. or, or whatever they used before which is working mm. great but they're not really making use of the teams and channels and so on like that um, mm. and that's the big thing we find one of the, one of the things I'll, I'll pick on pick up on that you mentioned was got a lot of interest in on folk now they've got sharepoint Made probably, probably made more aware of it through the use of Teams and they're interested in things like intranets and stuff like that. Now, in my head, not being a SharePoint guy, when I think of intranets, I think of kind of early 2000s era websites that tell me where I can find my pension plan and stuff like that. How does the intranet exist in a modern environment and how does that contrast to all the stuff that Teams does and that, that Viva does? Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's You don't want that traditional intro like you say of this is my pensions and these are our policies it needs to be new um and i think that's what viva does makes it new and shiny because it brings in people who hate me saying it yammer and i think yammer is gonna be <laughs> gonna be big i think again with this hybrid way of working because it, it separates the work from the community like you know the the non-sort of work topics i find uh, which works really well but like connect viva connections i think it's going to be massive for building those new modern SharePoint sites because it's personal to you. Those internets are not SharePoint sites. It's personal to you, isn't it? It's surfacing that information that is not mm. standard for everyone. Everyone doesn't land on the same page and it's the same news mm. articles, the same links and so on. It's building something that I land in it and it's built around me. It's what mm. I can see. It's like my documents, news related to me, my conversations in Yammer, other bits i mean that the cards that are coming i think in viva are going to really transform things with, with um these adaptive cards and such i think that's really gonna change a lot around what we can build i know it's not there yet um some mm -hmm. people have got previews and stuff are really interested in what what capability that brings in around bringing in the insights information and telling you about yourself bringing in learn and stuff like that. It's just it needs to be a lot more than just this is our company information it's like trying to like bringing all the different, um, like a word, connections in together of all these different aspects of the way it works. So Yammer, Teams, personal stuff, files, whatever it may be, and bringing it all into to this like landing mm. portal hub, however we want to brand it, and ac mm. accessing it from there. Right. Yeah, and it's so easy to spin one of these up now. There's a there's a, a site that Microsoft have there, the SharePoint Lookbook site. Oh, it's yeah. basically lookbook.microsoft.com, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah is the link to that. And you can go into there and look at all the different types of intranets and the reasons why they would be there, what the web parts and, and the pages are included on those. And then you, you can just, yeah, I like that one. We'll put that in our tenant and boom, it's there in a in a few minutes. And you can go in cool. and customize that, brand it with your logo and your color schemes and do lots of stuff with PowerShell to make it look the way you want it to look. And then, as you were saying there, Paul, you, you can customize those pages to what the uh, user, the individual user needs and wants to see. And you use the audience targeting feature for that, which is a really powerful thing that can be applied to many and more evolving SharePoint web parts, which make up a SharePoint 
uh, page, basically. So um, it, it's so much more powerful than it used to be in the days of the old classic SharePoint uh, team site experiences, which were, were far less capable. And this is why you had organizations who would look to go for an intranet and a box solution in front of, or instead of SharePoint. You don't need to do that now. It's you can, you can really make something that looks really, really amazing out of the box so quickly and easily and secure and audience targeted. Yeah, and I think that's what <laughs> that traditional thing, wasn't it? Everyone wanted <clears throat> SharePoint, but to have it not look like SharePoint. Yeah. And there's so many companies out there who charge a fortune to put skins on and all that mm. thing to make it not look like SharePoint. But exactly right. like you said there, Peter, it's SharePoint now looks, it looks sexy. It looks good. Mm. It looks nice um, with some sim simple things around it. Um, it can still look old SharePoint issue if that's the way mm -hmm. people have designed it but some of the stuff in there now it just makes it so easy for a user you don't need to be a, a web designer and stuff to, to throw it together because I have no web design skills at all but yet can still throw in a few boxes and a few web parts and make things look a lot nicer mm -hmm. I always get disappointed when customers come to me and say we're not bothered about all of the bells and whistles and, and making it look pretty and all that we just want our data in there and can you do a nice just shift Lift and shift for us. Oh, please don't ask me to do that. You're just yeah. going to cause more problems for yourself because SharePoint has list thresholds. And um, you, if, if you're listening to this uh, and you're planning this journey, please don't do that. You need to think carefully <laughs> about how your data is going to go into SharePoint. It's a perfect opportunity to uh, start from scratch and, and, and not make all the mistakes that you've made in the past and take across with you the problems that you have in, in the existing world. So, um, But, yeah, a lot of people just want their data in there quickly and easily and it's really not the way to go no you just you just move in the same problems you have but into a different platform and then people mm -hmm. are going to be like oh yeah mm -hmm. it's just the same it doesn't work it doesn't we can't find anything there's no mm -hmm. organization like yeah because you've just moved it's like mm -hmm. moving a room isn't it if you've got a messy room moving to another room in the <laughs> yeah. same mess you're like, well i've not changed anything it's still the same yeah. room it's, and it's, as the it person and as the it person in any organization from day one of a new product launch of going live with something, the last thing you want is users not getting on board with it and coming, well, the old system was better than this. And that, that is the, yeah. the, the, the nightmare words that IT people never want to hear. Yeah. Oh, why is it so slow? Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, uh, speaking of slow then, uh, you know, one of the things that does come up a lot with, with Teams is the performance of it insofar as, you know, I'll open Task Manager and teams are just devouring anything it can get its hands on is there anything that folks need to do to kind of optimize teams or is it just a case of you know let's just buy better hardware <laughs> probably probably the second yeah there's talk isn't there of a, a team's light version coming out isn't there right. um i know there was rumors previously around that mm -hmm. um whether it will on i don't know but um, yeah, uh, teams can be very resource friendly, and I think it's just make like the tip would just be close, make sure you're closing it, restarting your machine on regular occurrences. Mm -hmm. I know, um, probably 12 months or so ago, I'd had halfway through a day, I'd have to restart my laptop just because going into meetings, you would always get real bad connectivity problems, but only in teams, like everything else was fine. Do a right. uh, um, speed test and stuff, all over things working fine giving it that quick restart just clearing the mm. the memory i guess mm. um helped massively but now i think that's something microsoft have got to tackle isn't it is mm. the performance of teams because it's getting bigger and bigger 
and obviously the resources it's taking is getting bigger and bigger too. Yeah, yeah. It's only going to get bigger. So I don't know how they're going to tackle that. Mm. Um, and they had a lot of unexpected problems with COVID, obviously, because a few shows ago we had the uh, amazing Laurie Potmeyer on from Microsoft, yeah. and she was saying when the pandemic hit, they understandably had to turn some things oh, off yeah. due to the demand on it and then gradually turn them all back on. So in my, in my opinion, Microsoft coped amazingly with, yeah, with that definitely. whole situation and just did a, a really, really great job. If you're coming into Teams now, in, in in my opinion, if you're planning your Teams journey, there are things you can do. You can look in the, um, the Teams admin center and look at the network planner tool and and, and try and, and, and plan what that experience is going to be like for your organization. Um, and also when you get started, if you have performance issues and meetings and video quality, that sort of thing, um, jitter, those sort of issues. Look at the quality of service settings in uh, in, in the meeting um, policies and, and settings as well, uh, meeting settings that would be. And there, there are all things you can try and do and tweak. But, uh, but yeah, I think in time there'll be more that, that comes into that and Microsoft are always looking to improve and uh, and make the product better for everyone to use. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I mean, um I've, I've I've come across quite a few problems with Teams um, in the past six or so months, and it's never been Teams; it's always been drivers. Graphic drivers have drive me insane um, in video yeah. ones, and it's nothing to do with Teams or performance of Teams. It's always been mm-hmm. drivers are completely screwed things up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I mean, that could be other issues people face out there it may not be teams but they're saying it's teams because that's the thing they're in day in day out that's what right. they're using um so you, you do i mean if you're an outlook you say oh outlook's slow isn't it in the old days oh it takes ages to send an email it takes ages to do this because that's what people are in people are working in that all the time whereas mm-hmm. now their experiences always in teams and yeah it's running slow it's not it's not doing as it should um doesn't help you've got edge open with 50 million tabs and it's probably your machine that's running slow and teams not mm. not doing anything but but yeah i guess shifting gears a wee bit then and uh as, as far as kind of stuff outside of uh community and mvp and teams and things because one of the problems is speaking to you mvp mvp folks you just work 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 so one of the other things that kind of talk about in this show is uh what do you do outside of work to kind of uh disconnect from it I feel like there's a wee bit of a spoiler going by what's on your wall in the background. Uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> tune, tune. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure of mine outside of work because most of the time it brings depression more than anything else supporting this team. But <laughs> it's a roller coaster of emotion. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I'm a, a big, big Newcastle fan and football um, follower. I mean, football's always been a passion of mine um, since I was a kid. Um, uh, and just now everything's football if I'm not working it's something football whether it's watching right. football and a big thing my wife hates is she'll be like why are you watching this game it's not even Newcastle like, yeah but it's football I'll watch it like, I, mean, I remember when um, when obviously football was cancelled during Covid I was like moping around for months like oh, god there's nothing on why is there no football and then I think it was um, was it the Australian football um, might have been Japanese football I suddenly appeared and I was like, oh, I'm watching this. At least it's football. <laughs> That's good for me. Um, and then obviously the German football was one of the first ones. Um, but now f- football is a big passion. In, um, I coach my son's football team as well. So that takes up a lot of my time. So if I'm not nice. working, not doing MVP stuff, um, planning coaching sessions planning matches uh, and stuff like that we had a game this morning so that's my weekend you have to get down early put the goals up do all that sort of thing make sure all the kids are all right um and and then manage the team through it and plan all your sessions that does take a lot of time up as well um 
Lego is a good thing. <laughs> um, it is a good thing for for turning off. So, so I like buying Lego now and then, not massively, but just now and then, mm. treat myself to something, and it's just switch off from everything. Just I'm just going to build this Lego set for the next hour, two hours. Just turn mm. off from anything. Um, running has been a big thing as well. I found um, really helpful in just getting out outdoors. Because that's one thing. So from working from home, I went from someone that worked in offices or out remote working. Um, even in, when I went to Habel, it's still a lot of on the road working, staying in hotels, working away and stuff. To then working from home, it was such a massive mm-hmm. change for me. Like just being in a room with four walls, no one to talk yeah. to and so mm-hmm. on. Um, so I took up running um, just to get outdoors. And thoroughly enjoyed it. I used to hate running. If anyone ever asked me to do one <laughs> sport, it would, and would like and say, "Oh, you should do running." But like, no, far too lazy for that. Um, <laughs> and, and then I did take up running and got really into it. Started running some big like half marathons and stuff like that, distance wise. Oh, and nice. ended up with, ended up with an injury. Um, and people are like, it's because you're not stretching, you're not doing exercise, you're not doing so. I took up running because it's one of those sports where you don't need to buy anything, you can just run. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, you need to do this. You, on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, you should be doing this sort of yoga, this sort of stretching, this sort of thing. I was like, this has turned into a lot of effort. I just want to go out and run, and <laughs> that's why I took it up. Yeah, it mm. seems loads of folks seem to have taken up running, especially over COVID, like you said, because I guess it's one of those things you. Like, Injuries aside and things like that, maybe it is one of those things you can just get up and go and start doing, you know what I mean? You've already got all the stuff. I mean, I know it was actually just before COVID hit, I was uh, listening to David Goggins' book uh, on a flight back from Heathrow. Uh, David Goggins is a kind of ultra marathoner guy, uh, and he did something like a 205-mile run in 39, 40 hours or something like that. And he talks about how he's, his limbs basically all started breaking and all that kind of stuff, and he just <laughs> suffered through it. But, yeah, the running something that I've tried a few times. I actually had COVID back in March last year, and I found that the running helped the recovery a little bit of it because it got the lungs kind of – just mm. kind of forced them to start uh, doing work and stuff like that. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, I know what you mean. I still have that perception as far as running, not for me. I'll do it because it's yeah. an easy thing to just pick up, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, Paul, though, getting back to Newcastle very, very briefly, because for those who may not know, I'm also a Newcastle United fan, not so much as I used to be because uh, of the sheer pain of it, basically. But um, I'm and uh, I'm, I'm more of a, a fan from the sort of uh, 90s and early 2000s. And Shearer, in those days, um, Alan Shearer is uh, the greatest footballer ever, in my opinion. <laughs> no, no. Uh, fact you're, you're wrong if you don't think otherwise if the same so <laughs> yeah well they do yeah all-time <laughs> leading premier league goal scorer yeah. so um but what's your prognosis for the team at, at the moment paul and um uh, and, and their prospects for the coming season <laughs> <laughs> i think i think a, a lot of it lies on the takeover doesn't it um mm. for, for those of you who don't, don't know who are listening um newcastle is one of these clubs where <laughs> fans have a great expectation of wanting to see good football and mm. not necessarily winning, winning trophies because they're not wanting trophies for God knows how long, mm. um, but just having good football and something we haven't had for a long time is good football. Yeah. Uh, and we've had an owner, haven't we? Mike Ashley, who's sort of ripped out the insides of the club and so many people have drifted away from supporting it. I mean, I mean maybe that's part of the factor of why you've you've drifted off from supporting mm. them, um, but yeah, I mean, 
during COVID when the, the big um, talks was around the takeover and it was like, is it happening? Is it not? Is it happening? And it went on for months. And I remember I, I'm, I'm one of these people supporting Newcastle. It was always a downer. It was always like, nah, it's never going to happen. No, don't believe it. I'll never believe anything. When Newcastle play, we'll lose. Never mm-hmm. have, never optimistic in anything when it comes to, to the club. Um, but no, I mean, look into the future. If there is that buy, I mean, the end of this month, they're saying could still be on the cards, but I can't see it happening. But they just need to get away from being one of those clubs that are scrapping for relegation every year. Mm. And that's all fans want, isn't it? It's just not shifting it down there. Mid-table, happy with that. Yeah, anything higher would be a loaded bonus, but it'd be nice. I mean, um, it's funny because I know everyone talks about well being and looking after yourselves and stuff, and I think supporting Newcastle is one of those biggest things that affects well being (laughs) than anything else. (laughs) Because especially if they play, if they play on a Friday, I find my weekend is ruined because we always lose. Play on a Friday, always lose. That's it. Next two days, I'm like, pretty rubbish. If we play a Sunday evening, however, if we lose, it doesn't matter. I've had a nice weekend. <laughs> I've had a nice mm. weekend. I've already looking to, to work the next day anyway. So it's like, for, yeah. for me, um, supporting Newcastle is a huge pain point. And I wouldn't, if any people out there who are into football and don't follow a club and thinking of following Newcastle, don't. Don't do Find it. Find another club. Find another <laughs> club. You, should, you don't need to I go can, through this pain. <laughs> I can attest to that for sure. And I used to, I mean, I used to go to the games. I had a season ticket for many years at St. James's Park. And um, mm. it, I, I'm the very sort of high and low emotional roller coaster. I, I enjoyed the highs, but I found the lows very, very difficult. So if we won on a Saturday, I would just, I would be happy. I would come home. I would watch match of the day on Saturday night. I'd want to just de- um, devour all of the content. I'd get the Sunday papers. Yes, yes, read it all. If we lost, I wouldn't watch match of the day. I would be down. I would just, I wouldn't want to know about football until next week. Um, yeah. Proper uh, opposing forces there. But um, yeah, oh, I just, it, makes me very sad the state of the club these days when uh, we're thinking back to the days of Kevin Keegan being manager the first time and so Bobby Robson who uh, what a guy what a guy yeah, but amazing uh, anyhow we shall we, we shall not we'll, we'll get off our soapbox um, <laughs> and, 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 and not bore our listeners too much <laughs> with that any any longer but um, let's get to the all important question and uh, if, you, if, if you don't mind Ru, I, I, I've never asked this before to, um, let, all right yeah, yeah go yeah. for it I didn't realize um, I hogged the question. Yeah, you go. No, it. no, I'd, I'd, I'd like to. So do you like watching movies uh, first and foremost? And if so, the all-important question that we have started to ask all of our guests is Terminator 1 or Terminator 2? I am a, a, a big movie um, watcher. Um, don't ask yeah. me who actors are and stuff like that because I've got a mind of a sieve. I recognise him <laughs> like, oh, they're in that film from when was that? I saw him and then straight away on Wikipedia <laughs> looking it up. Um, <laughs> but talking about Terminator, it's funny because um, I'm a big Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. He's one hey. of my favourite actors um, to the point where my dog's called Arnie. Oh, hey. Arnie Schwarzenegger. <laughs> cool. um, but that to- um, Terminator one or two, I'd have to go Terminator two. Yeah. Um, oh, I've got a question. Excellent. Have you seen the newer ones? The new ones are the Terminator. Yeah. I've seen, yeah, I've seen the one where <laughs> it was kind of a remake of the first one with CGI, like a different take on it, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, when it got back to 1984. I've seen that one, and I've seen Terminator 3, and isn't there another one with Christian Bale that yeah, I've, I've, I've not seen that one? Yeah. I've not seen few, that one. Because um, I, I didn't even know they existed. I knew Terminator 3 and the one after that. I didn't know the others, and I watched Terminator 2 with my son recently. I didn't 
realized we watched like this extended version that was really mm. long it's like three and a half hours long god knows and i was like don't remember this in the original um mm. but then my son was like oh can we watch another one and i'd look and i was like oh i didn't even know these ones existed and we watched them and mm. i can't remember which one it was but one of them was was really good but then like you say they've got that one which goes back so mm. like straight after terminator 2 and like, john connor dies and it all yeah. changes and i'm like Weird, what? isn't it? <laughs> <What's happened? laughs> I was just followed on from. from yeah, you got to love Arnie, though. One of my uh, absolute favorite Arnie films from the mid '90s is True Lies. You seen that one? Ah, uh, brilliant film, brilliant. My my, my favorite's um, Commando. Oh, oh yes, wow. Commando. <laughs> what a <laughs> film! So film. many great lines in that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's, that's probably my all-time favorite film, Arnie film. Just the fact that he hides behind flower pots and doesn't manage to get shot by about. 5,000 people. <laughs> don't know how he does it, but he's behind little yeah. flower pots and he does not get shot. So that takes some yeah. It's a great film to watch if you're in a in a bit of a mood, isn't it? If you're in a bit of a... <laughs> and you want to get some rage out, it's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Spot on. Well, another one for Terminator 2. That is amazing. So Yeah, I'm trying to think what the tally is now. I think T2 is winning. I'm not I think it's winning. Sure. Yeah, I think it's winning. I, think it's, I think we've had one... Terminator 1, which um, was Cat, and a lot for 2, and a lot for I Don't Know, I Don't Care. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, They shouldn't be allowed on the show. <laughs> uh, exactly. Well, they, they are told that they won't be invited back. Yeah. <laughs> Until they've watched it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Learn the error of your ways, but uh, very, very conscious of time. We 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 could talk, we could talk all day. It's always the case with our great guests, and this is no exception. But um, let, let's give you some time back, as as they say on Teams calls. <laughs> A couple of us <laughs> use that. Um, but um, Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show with us today. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything else you'd like to say before? Uh, we, we close and, and how, how can people reach you if they want to get in touch? That's what I just want to say, guys. Ruin and, and um, it, it, both of you, it's just brilliant what, what you're doing here. Lo- love tuning into these. I, I often watch them after, like, during the week while I'm working. I'll put it on um, uh, and listening. It's just brilliant. There, that, so keep it up, you two. Fantastic stuff by you both. Um, nice. and, Appreciate uh, that. And if Thank anyone does you, want yes. to reach out on, um, I'm on Twitter, Mr. Paul Dredge on LinkedIn as well. Um, same thing, search Paul Dredge on LinkedIn. Um, and that's the best way to, to, to get hold of me if you want to after this. Absolutely awesome. amazing. Yeah, awesome. give, give the guy some love. He's a Newcastle fan. He's going to be he's going to be down a lot of the time. So exactly. I'll have a nice summer. But... Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, this has been Cloud Conversations. Ruin Pete, I got the name of the show right this time. Um, hey. Episode 13, I can't believe... It's 13, as I said at the start. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, do uh, give us a, a follow on Twitter. We are at Peach. Uh, you can see our Twitter handles on, on the screen there as well if you want to follow us personally. And um, please do uh, give us a, a follow on YouTube as well and a like and subscribe and give that notification button a, a tickle and all that good stuff. So um, let's close this one out and we will see you on the next exciting episode of Cloud Conversations with Rue and Pete. I've been uh, Pete, this has been Rue and our wonderful guest Paul Dredge. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Cheers everyone.